Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear fellow beneficiaries of the Lord's never-failing compassions, let me start today with a bold claim. There are two things that any person needs to know in order to live a life free of fear and worry and full of joy. Who you are and who God is. Now the evidence for this is basically found in the Bible. But life itself shows us how not really knowing your identity or who God really is leads to fear and worry and a lack of joy. David, who wrote our psalm today, knew himself to be king over Israel and someone who had received incredible favor from the Lord throughout his lifetime. But sometimes he started taking all of that for granted, forgot that all that was entirely by God's grace and not by his own merit, and forgot that he was a sinner deserving not good things from God, but punishment. And when that happened, he lost his joy and fear and trouble re-entered his heart. Similarly, although it seems he never really forgot who the Lord was, there were times that he pushed that knowledge far from his mind and, and out of his considerations. That was more comfortable when it meant that he wasn't thinking about the holy God who had good reason for expressing his wrath over David's sins. But it also meant that when he had struggles or difficulties of any kind, that then he missed and missed out on the Lord's love and power. He no longer had a God who lifts to draw him up out of the depths of danger or despair. But when David remembered, or was reminded, who he really was and who God truly was and wanted to be for him, David's faith was strengthened, and God prospered and protected him. This is not to say that he never had troubles, but rather to say that the troubles the Lord allowed were troubles the Lord rescued him from or otherwise used for David's and his kingdom's good. Now, of course, non-Christians will dispute this, but we can see the truths that David's life illustrated in the people all around us. Those who have a very high opinion of themselves will eventually have the very unpleasant experience of discovering that they are not as good as they thought, or at least that there are many other people who strongly disagree. Even those who think very poorly of themselves eventually find out that they've got that all wrong as evidenced by the fact that they still have trouble matching who they are with what they do. And those who get wrong who God is, or who put the wrong things or people in the place of God, always end up living without a firm grip on the world, leading to either insecurity or overconfidence, despair or easily shattered self-righteousness. A good indicator of all this is to see how people deal with death. Only Christians do so with a true hope of the resurrection. Others 
find only emptiness in the grave or, or try to fill the emptiness with, with wishful platitudes about better places and circles of life. But in the end, there is only fear and loss for them because they do not know and trust a God of grace who grants eternal life for Jesus' sake. Or perhaps less morbidly and more currently, consider all of our fellow citizens who in recent years seem to have put their trust for the future not in God, but in politics. They try to fill the holes in their hearts and lives with with protests and partisanship, tweets and bumper stickers, slogans and shout-downs, but they never find joy in it. Their leaders let them down, and any setback or defeat leaves them lost and shattered. So what the Holy Spirit inspired David to tell us is not just some ancient text or set of abstract truths. It matters for us and for others today. Let's take a closer look then at the full text of of Psalm 30. A psalm, a song for the dedication of the temple by David. I will exalt you, O Lord, because you lifted me up. You did not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. Lord, you snatched my life from the grave. You kept me alive, so I did not go down into the pit. The unhappy truth is that this section of the psalm is the one that we are most likely to just skim over and not pay much attention to. Why? Because if we ourselves are having troubles, we are inclined to say, well, well, good for you, David, that God helped you out. But that hasn't happened for me yet. I don't have a reason to praise quite yet. And if we are not having troubles, well, we treat David's words here as just facts about his life that don't really have anything to do with us. But it is significant that these verses come right at the beginning of the psalm. We we are actually more used to seeing such thoughts as the, the concluding verses of one of the psalmist's prayers for rescue. David here is laying the foundation for what follows. And it is not founded in his doubts or difficulties, but in the proven goodness and already achieved deliverance of the Lord. While he undoubtedly had some specific recent events in mind, David's entire lifetime was summed up in these verses. God lifting him, drawing him up from the mucky, murky depths of dangers, from his enemies, of disease, of of death, preserving his life and faith and, and enabling David, God's anointed king, to once again do His work among and for God's people. What was true for David is true for everyone who puts his or her trust in the Lord in the God of free and faithful grace. When we cry out to Him, He hears us. And He gives us what we need. He delivers us from our enemies and draws us up from the depths. How can we be sure of this? 
especially when all around us we see only the darkness, we can be sure of this because He has already done it by taking care of our greatest enemies and eliminating the gravest of threats. As much as any of us may fear terrorists or criminals, or be attacked by rivals or undermined by adversaries, or tremble or shudder in the face of disease or or poverty or even persecution, ultimately it is death that lies behind every threat and fear. And we know that it is Satan who wields that fear against us. And we know that the cause of death is sin. Our own willful and grievous disobedience to the will of our God and Creator. We are all sinners. Every man, woman, and child on this earth. This one may look particularly holy. That one may act particularly righteous. Some other may seem more or less guilty than yet another one. But every one of us must look into the mirror of God's law and see who and what we really are by understanding what we really do. We are sinners who sin. We we lazily choose to do nothing when we should do a good thing. We snap at a family member when we should be patient and loving. We imagine ways to gain forbidden pleasures when we could be doing the things that please God. We make choice after choice that serves our interests and completely disregards God's. And we argue for the approval of acts and attitudes that He has already forbidden, whatever they may be. Our sins have earned us death and damnation to hell, to the place designed for the devil and his evil angels. But, but God snatched our life from the grave. And what we must remember is a most unexpected and unprecedented way. God gave His one and only Son to be our Savior. Jesus, a Son from David's line, but also God's Son from eternity, came to earth to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Remove the guilt of our sin and make us righteous in the Father's sight. Christ did this by offering Himself as an atoning sacrifice. He suffered and died on the cross, and and in doing so, paid the price of all the world's every sin, turning away God's wrath forever. With His resurrection from the dead on the third day, He paved the way to paradise, eternal life with Him in heaven for all who believe in Him. This is what the Lord has already done for you. Your sins are forgiven. The grave will not hold you. Satan cannot control you. And eternal life is yours. So all of life's littler enemies are of small consequence in comparison. God will not let them rejoice over you. And any threats of illness or despair or whatever are shallow compared to the grave. And He will snatch you up from them as well. Because the Lord lifts 
the depths are no danger. Because the Lord lifts, we will exalt the Lord. Which is just what David encourages us to do. Make music to the Lord, you his favored ones, and give thanks when you remember his holiness. For we spend a moment under his anger, but we enjoy a lifetime in his favor. In the evening, weeping comes to stay through the night, but in the morning there is rejoicing. Christians are sometimes accused of some kind of irrational happiness that simply pretends life is always good and that there should be nothing but but smiles and singing. So let us note here how the psalmist deals honestly with life this side of the grave, what we Christians call life under the cross. Even as the Lord's favored ones who know His holiness and grace We will experience his anger over sin, and we will have nights of weeping. That is the reality of life as sinners in a sinful world. Evil has consequences that touch us all. But what leads us to make music to the Lord here is an even greater reality, something that we can hold on to even in those moments. The reality is that all of those unpleasant things do not last. They are temporary, momentary, left behind in the night. And when they are gone, we live in God's favor and rejoice in its glorious light because the Lord lifts Joy follows sorrow. Because the Lord lifts, we rejoice and sing. But sometimes, when we come up out of the ditch on one side of the road, we fall into the ditch on the other side. This happened to David. But I, I said in my security, I will never be knocked down. Lord, in your favor you made strength stand like a mountain for me. Then you hid your face. I was terrified. To you, O Lord, I call. To the Lord I cry for mercy. What gain is there in shedding my blood and sending me down to destruction? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? Lord, hear and be merciful to me. Lord, be a helper for me. What happened? Now David pleads to the Lord for mercy and help because trouble has come again. Only this time it has come because David let prosperity go to his head and has taken his good things and good times for granted. I will never be knocked down. The Lord in love would not allow this spiritual danger and death to continue uncorrected. This is arrogance or apathy at best. So he withdraws his blessing and protection. You hid your face. I was terrified. And David once again learns humility and sees his need for God. So now, in faith, he holds the Lord to his word and appeals to his nature. 
He prays boldly for mercy and help. And because the Lord lifts, he knows his prayers will be answered. And for us as well. Because the Lord lifts, we trust in him and not ourselves. And David shows us how the Lord came through for him as he comes through also for us when we abandon arrogance and apathy. You turned my mourning into dancing. You removed my slack sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my whole being may make music to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I thank you forever. You may be aware that there have been and likely still are, Christians who think that our emotions, or at least positive, happy, excited emotions, really have no place in our worship of the Lord. We should be solemn. We should be serious. Such people have apparently never read the Psalms. And can you think of a greater turnaround or a more vivid emotional contrast than that of mourning and dancing? The change David tells us of here is is not just a change in the spiritual status of his soul. It is the complete change of his heart and, and whole being from grief and worry to joy and praise. How could he keep silent after all that the Lord had done for him. And how can we keep silent after all the Lord has done and continues to do for us? David's example, his life story, is nothing unique. Sure, we're not kings of Israel, but each of us, with our own individual callings and responsibilities, with our own individual lives and identities, disobeys and ignores God as he did, and receives forgiveness and salvation from God as he did. The Lord lifts us just as he lifted David. So we, too, make music and dance just as he did. So this psalm helps us remember what needs to be remembered. Here we have confidence for those who are threatened or or suffering in all sorts of ways. Though you may struggle and strain, God will lift you up from the depths, and you will, in the end, gladly and properly praise Him for His help and mercy. The Lord's compassions never fail. And here we also have a warning for the spiritually secure the more you trust in yourself or take God's blessings for granted, the more God may need to wake you up by withdrawing His blessings and protection to make you feel insecure so that you remember your condition and His grace and must rely on Him instead of yourself. And let us also remember that there is no sugarcoating of reality here. No, just trust in God more and everything will automatically be better. Just as David, as a believer, still had enemies, still found himself stuck in the muck, still needed healing, still had one foot in the grave, 
we still have troubles and experience God's anger, and we still have weeping and mourning in this life. But we can count on the Lord to help us, to lift us up before we reach the end or drown in the depths. We can rely on Him to give us His favor far more than His anger. We can trust Him to limit our weeping so that we can rejoice in the morning. We have the proof of this in the cross of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. There is nothing for us to doubt or to fear or question. Did you notice how the heading of this psalm said it was for the dedication of the temple. You know, David never saw the temple. God didn't give him permission to build it. It was to be built by his son Solomon. But David had every confidence that this song of praise would be raised in that temple, even though he would never see or touch or experience it, even though he was facing difficulties on the day he wrote this. Through this psalm, Psalm 30, the Holy Spirit teaches us to do the same thing David did, to look beyond any current troubles to deliverance and joy. With God. We know we can do this because we know Him and we know His grace. We praise Him and we thank Him because the Lord lifts. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.